0: This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 139. Today, our special guest is Beth Applegate, and we talk with Beth about building a multiracial liberation movement through a polarity lens. Stay tuned.
1: Welcome to another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. This is Michelle and Tracy's here too. Yeah, we're both here. Yeah, imagine that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> another oh, inspiring thought Thought-provoking provoking <laughs> interview. Yeah, it was. It, it was r- so good. It was. I have so much to learn. I do too. And I just, I just really want to own that.
1: Yeah, and you know. I think I just want to go park myself someplace for maybe six weeks to own that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because there's a lot to own, right? There's a lot to own. (laughs) There's a lot to own. There's a lot
0: to learn. Um, Our Uh, interview um, mm -hmm. with Beth Applegate was just amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, just um, she has so much knowledge and experience and wisdom um, and, and just is so... Just really just inspiring. She just Her words just really make you stop and pause, which is part of the process.
1: Yes, it is. It right. is. Yep. So we talked about her endeavor to create a multiracial liberation movement, and she offers some real insights that I thought were very helpful um, through a polarity lens of how we can really look at this, think about it, you know, um, come at it from ourselves personally and how we can support each other and it was just really phenomenal yeah yeah
0: she really brings out the necessity for the both and lens when Mm -hmm. it comes to this movement yes so let me formally introduce you to Beth and then we will uh, let you listen to the interview because it's really something all right Beth a white-bodied lesbian and cisgender is the founder of Applegate Consulting Group and or ACG. It goes by ACG as well. And ACG is a collaborative practice with three decades of experience with national and international not-for-profit organizations, academic institutions, and governmental agencies. As an organizational development, Justice, Equity, Diversity, Inclusion, or JEDI, Dare to Lead, Polarity Thinking, Somatic and Intercultural Development Inventory Practitioner, Coach and Facilitator. (laughs) Beth does a lot of stuff, right? Beth upholds the idea of multiple realities and facilitates processes for client systems to examine power, privilege, and dominant culture norms in order to operationalize the organizational core values into day-to-day practices. She has a lot of tools and a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. Beth is a member of the National Catalyst Ed's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Expert Hub, serves as faculty for National Training Institute Human Interaction Labs, and Beth is an active contributor to the field of applied behavioral science. She has authored numerous peer-reviewed articles for academic journals, Beth's newest publications appeared in the special edition on Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, June 2021 issue of the Organizational Development Network, along with two chapters on Utilizing Polarity Thinking and Race Equity Facilitation, which was published by HRD Press. Beth is a mixed-media artist, a quilter, a flower gardener, and loves to dance. She currently lives in Bloomington, Indiana with her life partner, Trish, and their rescue cat, Bryce. (laughs) So without further ado, here's our interview with Beth. Welcome, Beth, to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. We're super excited to meet your acquaintance and have a conversation with you today.
2: That's great. Me too. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, you you're bet. so welcome. And we have a mutual friend and colleague, Barry Johnson. And we last had him on our episode. He was episode 125. And uh, how did you meet Barry and become a polarity thinker?
2: That's a great question. You know, I was thinking about that. I I believe I met Barry um, in 2009 and he and cliff kaiser were presenting a workshop on polarity thinking at the organization development network and mm-hmm. after that session i and and the introduction to polarity thinking i knew in my bones that this framework could have a powerful application to my racial justice and liberation work And that's how I decided to become a Polarity uh, Mastery participant Mm -hmm. and go into the Polarity Mastery program, which is, as you two know, a two-year program.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, thank you for your contribution to the second volume of "And the Application Volume." Sure. That's how we found you, yeah. and um, just really loved your chapter. And so today, we're going to kind of focus on that—the chapter that you, okay. one of the chapters that you authored, Chapter Five: Support and Challenge for You and Me. And we're super excited about this conversation. I think we're going to learn a lot, uh, for one. <laughs> and uh, just to be connected with you. I think you're doing wonderful, fabulous work, and you're bringing your gifts to the world in a very positive way. We're just super excited about that. And, oh, um
2: thank you.
0: Yeah, and we've consistently said if 2020 and the pandemic brought anything, it was about reset, right? All of the challenges that we've faced in the last couple of years have really been a call to just reset on many, many different levels as individuals and as a society. And um, this this chapter really is about building this multiracial liberation movement, and we're all about movements. (laughs) We love movements, right? We're starting a polarity movement, and you've got this one going on. Right, (laughs) and using that polarity lens because people just aren't as aware of it some of them use polarities intuitively but not everybody is really fully aware of the power of the polarity lens and so we're super excited you're doing all of this work through a polarity lens and really applying this to ourselves as anti-racist um Mm -hmm. you know white people and um by supporting that by doing the supporting and challenging ourselves and other anti-racist white people. And just to note for everybody who's not watching us on YouTube, we are three white women having the conversation. So we want to acknowledge yes. that for anybody that isn't seeing us. Um and really just kind of let's just start with you sharing with our leaders why you wrote this chapter.
2: Thank you. I will. So, you know, I I first want to really note that I appreciate you noting for our listeners that we are are three white women that have been racialized in white bodies in the U.S. context. So thank you for naming that. And as white bodied women, understanding and accepting that all three of us have been shaped by the social and political process of racialization is the first step to this reset Um, at an individual level, and then as you also mentioned in society. So as we all know, you know, race is a social construct that ascribes previously unclassified groups of people into racial identities. And for those of us who have been socialized in you know, white bodies, we have been elevated in society as the supreme standard against which all bodies and humanity is measured. And that's the definition of white supremacy ideology. So while we white people are racialized, this process is often rendered invisible or normalized um, to those of us who are designated white. And as a result, white people may not see themselves as part of a race. And yet over time, our white dominant dominant social socialized culture, certainly in the United States, maintain, we have maintained the authority to name and racialize others. And so from a, a historical viewpoint, the term white referring to people was actually created by a Virginia slave owner. And colonial rules back in the 17th century. And it has, it, it replaced terms like Christian and Englishmen to distinguish Europeans, um, and colonists from Africans and indigenous peoples. So European colonial powers established whiteness as a legal concept. And um, for some of the history buffs, you may remember that the Bacon's Rebellion in, in 1676, um, this is the period where indentured servants of Europeans and African descent had united against the colonial elite. And the legal distinction of white separated the servant class on the basis of skin color um, and the continental region. So the Mm -hmm. creation of whiteness meant giving privileges to some while denying them um, to others with the justification of biological and social inferiority. Whiteness is thus conceptualized as a console, We should think about it as a constellation of processes and practices rather than as a discrete entity like skin color alone. So Mm -hmm. whiteness is dynamic relational, and operating at all times on a myriad of levels. And this is why it was so important for you to begin our um, conversation today by noting that we're coming from the perspective of of whiteness. And Mm -hmm. and these processes and practices um, include basic rights, values, beliefs, perspectives, and experiences purported to be commonly shared by all, but which are actually only um, consistently afforded to us white folks. So that's why we see over several hundreds of years, accumulated advantages and accumulated disadvantages. And as our healthcare audience certainly knows firsthand, there's no biological difference among different racialized groups of people. And the racialized Mm -hmm. disparities in healthcare have exemplified um the um, disenfranchisement and the uh, accumulated disadvantages um, by some folks who are racialized differently than white bodies. And nationally, the COVID you know, pandemic is the most recent event to evidence the high relief of the long history of racial injustices and expose for all of us the inadequacies that we're still struggling with today um, in health care. So as part of my responsibility taking, I say all of that um, because when I wrote this chapter, it was five months into COVID. Um, It was in response to the murder of George Floyd. It was a hundred days before our 2020 presidential election and 400 years into my, you know, indoctrination and my ancestors indoctrination into a mindset and culture And interlocking systems of white superiority um, Mm -hmm. to call myself and to, to other white bodies, as you've said, into accountability. And I think that call in... That phraseology is very important because Mm -hmm. Loretta Ross, um, really an amazing foremother in civil rights movement, a Black woman, a Black leader, talks about this phenomena of calling in versus calling out. And Mm -hmm. we need to call each other into Mm -hmm. accountability. We need to call in our family members, our colleagues, our friends, our partners in life, into this responsibility so in my chapter of on support and challenge for you and me i seek to support readers in recognizing their own proximity to power and privilege based on our white skin um and to understand that utilizing polarity thinking requires me to recenter my core values my to cl- continue to clarify my purpose and assess my principles of engagement with other white folks and with myself based on um, love and mm-hmm. based on support and challenge through a polarity lens and calling in. As, mm-hmm. as Loretta Ross teaches us to do. Mm-hmm. So my goal in, in my chapter is to really kind of ask us to sit with and talk with other white-bodied folks about this, you know, the question that I pose in the chapter, which is, are you in right relationship first and foremost with yourself? And are you in right relationship with what, with other white people as we seek to build a multiracial liberation movement?
0: I love that right relationship with I you. I love too. that. I wrote it down. I, I circled <clears> it in the book. <clears throat> I'm like, oh, yeah, right relationship with yourself and others. That's well, yeah. what
1: That's it's right. all about. Wow. Thank you f- for that incredible just Mm -hmm. there was a lot packed in that beth but it was just so well said and um because you brought very quickly the whole picture i think right down to your intention of writing the chapter and um i just i think it that chapter just really jumped out to tracy and i Uh, you know we we have had other podcasts certainly um when the whole george floyd murder happened we were like we just really recognize there's so much we don't know and one thing i was struck with again when you were talking is we often don't take the time to stop and even think about all this and i really That's hope really
0: our right.
1: yeah i really hope our podcast today um, invites people to do that
0: yeah and and i and i love the call into yes not calling out yeah it's not about blame and judgment right, right. it's really calling into something that we have to own Individually mm-hmm. and collectively, mm-hmm. and uh, and understanding it, yeah. just really trying to understand it, yeah. right? Because yeah. it's underneath. It's so subconscious. Yeah. We're so indoctrinated with it that it's easy to be unaware. And I think that's mm-hmm. what happened for us. Yeah, right with the with the George Floyd murder was like it was like this. Oh my gosh, right? Like I'm a part of this. Like I, you know, you just don't have that always have that awareness. And so I think it just really was kind of. Um, a key point in time mm-hmm. for many, many people to have this I
2: think awareness. That's so true. I think that it was a it was a great awakening. The combination yeah. of the pandemic yep. and, and us being home, and in some ways, in front of our televisions more often, along mm-hmm. with the uprising yes. that mm-hmm. happened as a, as a result mm-hmm. of the injustices that still mm-hmm. um, remain in our enforcement, legal and and lawful mm-hmm. enforcement. Um, really brought to the fore. Uh, for so many of us, the invisibleness of the creation of whiteness and yeah. and how it operates. I think that's so true. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And you can't do anything about something you're not aware of. So you have exactly. to have that awakening and that awareness first. And until you have that there's no movement, there's no change, right? So I, I just, I've just really felt like this whole time has happened for a significant, supreme reason. <laughs> wake us all up, right? Wake up, people. Shake it wake up and wake, up. Us, up. <laughs> That's right. That's wake us up. That's, That's right. Wake us up.
1: That's right. I really believe that. Well, Beth, you point out that a problem oriented approach to racial injustice keeps us stuck in either. Or thinking and how that unconsciously perpetuates right our society structures and contributes to the dysfunctional relationships and ineffective uh, ineffective uh, and harmful intra and interpersonal behavior. So mm-hmm. this would be a really good time to explain the implications of you know, only having either or thinking, if we just stick with our either or thinking mindset and how a polarity lens inviting and both thinking is critical to this multiracial liberation. Why Why we have to have that thinking as well.
2: Absolutely. Happy to. So I, I guess I would start by saying, you know, similar to healthcare leaders, individuals, organizational movement leaders, and change agents, um, seeking to strengthen the movement for multiracial liberation are often excellent problem solvers, right? Mm-hmm. And there's another way not everything is a problem to solve and open to both and when focusing on human relationships. So we need to augment either or thinking, which is problem solving, yeah, with yeah. both and thinking. It doesn't replace it. It mm-hmm. simply augments it. And, you know, the other thing that I bring to the fore um, with, my, with my work is not only being a certified polarity thinker, I'm also one of the 700 worldwide uh, Brene, Dr. Brené Brown Dare to Lead facilitators. And I utilize Dr. Brené's research on courage and vulnerability, shame and empathy in my work with other white people to disrupt dis- my own and other white folks internalized whiteness. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the most significant finding that Dr. Brown's research encourage is a collection of four skill sets and like polarity thinking, they are teachable, they're measurable and they're observable. And so I've de- I've deepened my understanding of the value of being able to distinguish a problem to solve from a polarity to leverage. Because remember, a polarity cannot be solved. There is wisdom that resides in the upside of both poles, both value sets, and we must leverage them together for the greater good. So if we're Mm -hmm. thinking about being of a healthy and in good relationship with myself and in good relationship with other white people um, in this movement for multiracial liberation, um, we have to address some of the ways that, that over the years we've been thinking about it. So for decades, approaches to power over and racism and equity and inclusion and justice Have been and continue to be too often solely framed as problems to solve instead of a mixtures of, yes, problems to solve and changes in policy and laws and procedures and internal organizational policies. And though they are also dilemmas, paradoxes and tensions that we, all three of us live within and live within us and Too often I've noticed over my 30 years of doing this work that problem-solving approaches can devolve into kind of narrow-minded and dualistic thinking characterized by shame and blame of self and other. Mm -hmm. And using, you know, problem-solving or or, or thinking uh, methods only can unconsciously perpetrate our society's structures and contribute to dysfunctional relationships and infective and and harmful intra and interpersonal behaviors. And so it's very important to be able to hold that we need both justice and mercy. We need both humility and confidence. We need to support and challenge Ourselves as we seek to disrupt white supremacy and ourselves and others, and as we seek to envision a world where all of us can thrive.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, it was also the thing that struck me too is with the either you know when we use the mm-hmm. either or it's kind of thinking, mm-hmm. and that's the frame of reference we're comfortable with. It's what all we all know, right? Um, sure. Is that. It gets to that kind of that blaming, right? Because when you use either or, it often indicates I'm right and you're wrong, right? Or this is right and that's, that's right. wrong. And that's not that's right. what this is about.
1: Mm-mm.
0: And that's the Definitely. other kind of reason for the polarity lens, because it's equally important. They're, it's the both and, right? And we need them both.
2: You know, you're so right. And, and, and the other trap that I think in particular that we white folks fall into is is that we've also been socialized in this kind of good or bad. Yeah. Right? Very dualistic, binary view. And I think a lot of us have been um, socialized to believe, if and we want to believe, and I think most people do, that um, we as individual white people are good people. And so when we think about the binary of good and bad, it's hard for us to reconcile that racism can live in us because of the way we've been socialized and by, by the construct yeah. of white supremacy idea, uh, ideology. And so we, we have this disconnect um, that can keep us stuck if we think about being good or bad as a binary. If I'm good, I can't have any racism in me. If I'm bad, I'm all I am is a racist. So that that that's another way to kind of bring home the point of why um, we need both and thinking to augment either or, so that we understand that um, there are things outside of our control in terms of socialization, in terms of racialization, um, that again, as we were talking about at the beginning of the program, once we wake up to we can realize that multiple realities can exist at the same time. I can be a good person, and I can be conditioned by white supremacy, and sometimes not realize how it shaped me. Both, yeah. and yeah, it exists. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so. That's so right. That's so true. So before we talk about the support and challenge polarity map, so for our listeners in the chapter, there's a map um, which has right the positive outcomes of both poles of support and challenge, as well as some of the negative outcomes that occur when you overemphasize one and neglect the other, or or you're not supporting the positive outcomes in a in an effective way, right? You're not doing things that will get you those positive outcomes. So there's a a map that's been delineated, and we can even maybe put a Copy of that. We'll talk about how we can maybe give people access to that um, in our, in our show notes. Yeah, just writing a note
1: down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but anyway.
0: Um, and then your invitation to self reflect on it, right? You you write in the chapter: a polarity lens allows us to understand a source of systematic racism without blaming and condemning, which I just love that ourselves, right? Or as a subgroup, white people. Um is inherently evil. This is what you were just talking about, mm-hmm. without condoning or denying the existence of systematic white supremacy culture. So it kind of goes back to what you were just really mm-hmm. what you were just saying. Um, but can you walk us kind of through? Why for us to co-create new systems and generate this this um, these radical possibilities for equity? It calls for us as white people to embrace our part within this multiracial liberation movement and how the support and challenge polarity kind of provides that guidance and that wisdom. Like, wh- how does that help us?
2: Great, sure. So um, let's let's start on an interpersonal level. Um, on an interpersonal level, um, either or thinking magnifies, as I was just saying, the false good bad separation within us and activates internal dissonance um, and diminishes our consciousness raising. You know, we were talking about how important it is to to wake up to this. Um, and instead, mm-hmm. you know, kind of creates an aversion toward ourselves, which then can result in damaging our relationship with others. So as interpersonal relationships further devolve, polarized camps um, often engage uh, paradoxically, holding and advancing the false binary choices of you are either with me or you're against me. How often have we heard that saying out in, you know, in our Mm -hmm. country right now? Right. And these vicious cycles have not and do not support us in right relationship with ourselves or support us strengthening authentic relationships necessary with other white people and across race to build a racially just and equitable society. In fact, among white bodied folks, our aversion can lead to a inability to own our shortcomings because we're so afraid of the dire consequences from our peers, from our, our, our self-talk, um, from, uh, you know, self-protecting against shame and blame, mm-hmm. something that mm-hmm. we've already named. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what we cannot own about ourselves results in identifying another and not me on whom to project our mm-hmm. shortcomings. So those um, in or with proximity to power, right? Again, we think about racism as being power plus um, prejudice. So when we think about our racial identity and we've been racialized, we, those of us in white bodies are very close to the proximity of power can declare their projections as reality, right? Yep. That is also what white supremacy ideology allows us to do. And, and notice how unowned projections help legitimate, you know, or legitimize, I should say um, this power over uh, on whom we project in the first place. So whether that's me projecting onto you I'm starting to engage in power over when I do that. Um, And if I'm also not, uh, if I'm projecting a lot of either or you're with me, Beth, or you're not to myself, it helps me own, it it, it helps. um, It doesn't support me own um, Mm -hmm. some of the unlearning that I need to do having been socialized Mm -hmm. as a white person. Mm -hmm. So um, in fact, Or thinking is a fundamental source of our systemic white supremacy in the first place. There are plenty of things happening in the world in which we uh, have been and continue to be very cruel to one another. Looking for an evil source um, isn't understandable, but a misguided way to perpetuate this cruelty. So if we now think about from a socio-political viewpoint, the cultural moment of the summer of 2020, when I wrote that chapter and remains true today, it's important for white-bodied people to recognize the amplification of a dominant white culture narrative and this quest for an evil source. So again, as Barry has noted, we must recognize there is no evil source. No subgroup or humanity is inherently evil. Mm-hmm. So pursue, you know, <clears throat> pursuing one good on um, the upside of a polar- polarity to the neglect of the interdependent good. Another upside, right? Mm-hmm. Taking care of myself, taking care of others, yep. leads to evil. The inevitable downside of an over focus on care of self to the neglect of care of other support of myself as a good person to the neglect of calling myself into accountability. So a polarity lens allows us to understand a source of systemic racism, blaming and condemning ourselves or a subgroup white people as an inherently evil, um, grouping, um, does not allow us to disrupt the system. It keeps us in shame and blame. And ultimately, we'll get the downside because this is not a problem to solve, right? We need both and here. If we focus on mercy to the neglect of justice, if we focus on support to the neglect of challenge, we will end up stuck in that vicious cycle yeah. that we know about from polarity thinking. And it always reminds me of a quote from um, Grace Lee Boggs. And she said, In order to change and transform the world, we must change and transform ourselves. Oh, oh yeah. So, this work <laughs> of being an <laughs> ally mm-hmm. in a, as a white body in a multiracial, uh, movement for liberation and justice begins with ourselves. Yep. Nothing changes
0: outside till we change, change on inside. the
2: inside. Right on.
1: <laughs> and that's a great lead into our next question, because <laughs> you close the chapter by sharing a bit about your commitment to having an anti-racist personal practice yourself. So starting with yourself. So share with mm-hmm. our listeners what that looks like.
2: Sure. And to all the fellow listeners out there who are also recovering perfectionists, <laughs> I, I start by affirming that I'm loved just the way I am. <laughs> Honestly. Yes. Um, okay. You're with me. Yeah. I can tell we are, our- yeah. You know, and I think about, um, you know, one of my teachers, Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams. um, And, you know, she talks about um, the fact that we have to learn to mind our own business. And what she means by that is we need, as I've said, to kind of start with ourselves and our own fodder and our own grist for the mill. So I start my practice And as Rev says, we're always practicing something. So she's always inviting us to be intentional in what we practice. So as I've said, I start with an affirmation of myself that I am okay, just the way I am. And I am loved for for whom and just the way I am. I also, at the same time that I'm supporting myself, I challenge myself by acknowledging my mistakes and learning from Mm -hmm. them listening carefully to other white folks as they give me feedback and listening to other black and indigenous and other people of color who also offer me feedback and, you know, support only for myself without challenge can lead me to continue to perpetuate harmful mistakes that go unchallenged, right? It's so important um, and another really important in uh, polarity in this work is intent and, and, and impact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I work from the place that I am the expert on my intent. And for those of us um, who know a bit about the Christian faith, um, we know we are taught that sometimes intentions pave the road to hell. <laughs> so if we stop there... And we only think about our intentions, then we're not holding what our unintentional impact might be. So it's really important to lean into and live into that I'm the expert on my intent, but the two of you are experts on my impact. Mm -hmm. And so if my intent has different, you know, different impact than I might be aware of it's so important to listen to feedback and to consider that and to leverage both. Okay. I'm a good person. I know my intentions were good and, and you know what? My intentions didn't land as I, as I thought that they might. And I also need to listen to that. So we need both to support myself without cha- you know, and if I don't challenge myself, um, it leads to more mistakes. So self-love and self-compassion matter. And this responsibility um takes root by being in right relationship first and foremost with myself um, and then with other white people, as well as making commitments to the larger. Um, multiracial movement mm-hmm. um, of anti-racist through organizations like Showing Up for Racial Justice, mm-hmm. Surge. So we have to commit as white anti-racists to change our relationship to ourselves and each other from transactional and compassionless approach to one that supports and, and challenges ourselves and others, and to find that courage in our similarities and in our solidarity and in our differences in service to racial equity and racial justice for all of our humanity. Um, you know, another quote that Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams often uses is, um, love and justice are not two. Without interchange, there can be no outer change. And without collective change, No change matters. So part of my personal practice is also being in um, affinity groups with other white people um, who regularly commit to a practice of coming together and witnessing each other and supporting and challenging each other in uh, doing our work of increasing our emotional and political and racial literacy skills, normalizing that we will make mistakes and refocusing our energy and our skills um, really more in service to what happens after that mistake than the mistake Mm -hmm. itself, because it's a given Mm -hmm. we're going to make mistakes. So in my community practice, we, must increase our self-awareness. We have to live into our core values and um, we have to practice, practice, practice. So part of my own responsibility um, taking is to cultivate this daily practice that keeps me more intentional in my action taking and more embodied in my thoughts and feelings and senses in my bodies throughout the day. And to becoming more comfortable with holding the contradictions, right? The paradoxes, well, yep. the polarities embedded in the stereotypes and fears in myself. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, underneath why I, other, I, you know, other white people sometimes and why I abandon myself and other white people is because of my own socially conditioned internalized perfectionism, which is part of white supremacy ideology and my daily practice. And that's really what it is about making choices to be in relationship with my feelings, to be in thoughts, um, with, with compassion and empathy, um, for myself and others has, has resulted in me feeling more resilient, more embodied and grounded and in touch with my best self. Mm-hmm. Um, the other piece I would say, and this is based on my work with Dr. Brene Brown, is understanding how shame operates in me and how I manage it in myself. Um, and this comes back to, Another saying of Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams, who obviously is a big influence <laughs> on me, is minding my own business. So taking full responsibility for my own thoughts, behaviors, and feelings. And it's a complex dance, right? Yeah. To tease out mm-hmm. what part of me is shaming me about my internalized white supremi- supremacy that, that I've gotten from society. and And how might you be shaming me? Right. So, this, the same, this idea of shame of self and when I'm experiencing shame and blame from others is an important thing that I think about all day long. Mm -hmm. Right. We don't want to be in that vicious cycle of blaming and shaming ourselves. We have to have self compassion. And we don't, as white people, want to blame and shame other white people. For being conditioned and socialized and re- racialized in the same things, and in the same ways that we were. Right. So I daily. The bottom line is I I choose courage um, over comfort, and that's a big saying of Dr. Brené Brown. Moment by moment, by fully seeing and being with my own behaviors, um, by being in right relationship with myself, loving myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Um, and then choosing to show love and mutual regard to other white people who are on this road, on this journey mm-hmm. with me um, in all of their humanity and the messiness of humanity as we seek to create a more just world. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all about practice. Yeah, right? It is. Well, it is. And,
0: and to me, it's just really about self-awareness. Like, that's it's just, that's that, where it begins. it's where it's just a going in, right? It, we're just so mm-hmm. caught up in everything that's going on outside of us. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I just really like mm-hmm. my, my takeaway was just go within and, and love yourself for who you are. But at the same time, don't settle for that, <laughs> right? Challenge yourself around the things that need to change, and 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 do your own work to understand what that is, right? And be receptive and open to hearing um, from others. And I just loved the intent and impact. Um, because I think we talk a lot about setting intention. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but you're so right, that intention can miss the mark in some big ways. And if you're not aware of the impact of that miss, um, then you don't mm-hmm. have the opportunity to learn from that. And um that's
1: right.
2: Yeah. That's why the both end is so yeah. important in the support and challenge. Exactly. Yeah. To ourselves yeah. and each other. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. I just I just loved how you yeah. put it within the polarity of support and challenge. Yeah. It just frames it differently, and it, it just is, to me, it just feels really comfortable. It, it challenges me, but it just puts it in a very comfortable place. I don't know. I can I can be with myself, but I can support someone else. Um, so I think it's really brilliant the way that you did that.
0: Well, it's challenging in a non-threatening way. Yeah,
1: that's what I mean. It's Right? Mm-hmm.
0: It's still mm-hmm. the challenge. Yep. Still but it's challenge. not threatening, right? It's in a very respectful, open kind Which of a way. Which makes you
1: want to retreat.
2: <laughs> it can. I mean, and that, you know, going back to what Loretta Ross teaches yeah. us, you know, for a long time in movement spaces, um, it has been more about calling out. Yes. Instead yeah, like of, in. uh, you know, calling in yeah. with mutual regard and mutual respect yeah. for our humanity and the messiness of yeah. our humanity. Yeah. Um, and also, unconsciously perpetrating some of the things that we've learned about good and bad, yeah. about either or thinking, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and this allows us um, the pause that we talked about at the yeah. beginning of this program, yeah. taking the time to pause mm-hmm. and going in yeah. and going in with self regard, mm-hmm. especially for those of us who are recovering perfectionists.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Well, you know, we've talked a little bit about this previously. We worked with healthcare leaders and in the been in the healthcare system for a long, long time. Um, and really, you know, in the healthcare sector, they're really striving rights for health equity is a a significant initiative across the healthcare system um in the United States and a lot of national initiatives around that. And um so what advice do you have for healthcare leaders when it comes to developing this anti-racist personal practice themselves in order to be able to impact this you know radical yeah. possibility for health equity in our in our country?
2: Well, first of all, I guess I would like to just give a, a shout out to the two of you and all of your efforts by uh, bringing polarity thinking into healthcare sector. So thank you both. Mm. Um, and then I would be remiss if I didn't also give a wholehearted shout out of gratitude to every single healthcare professional and leader listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. I guess in terms of advice giving, you know, I think about one of my mentors um, and, you know, it is this piece about um, being compassionate with yourself while at the same time you're taking responsibility for your feelings, thoughts, and reactions and actions. Remember all of you out there that choice and growth and liberation lie between that, External stimulus coming in at all of us and our individual and internal responses. Practice, practice, yeah. practice taking that pause. Yeah. Just to be with yourself and do so in a self compassionate way. Take that breath. Take four breaths and remain in choice in your response, no matter what others may do or say. Mind your own business. Commit to a daily internal and intentional practice of making choices to be in loving relationship with yourself, to be in loving relationship with your feelings, your thoughts, your compassion, your empathy. All of these things are key. And, you know, one of the things that I think is so powerful about the, the work that Dr. Uh, Brene Brown does is her work around... Um, reminding us that we're hardwired for stories. This is just just a part of the human condition and owning our story and loving ourselves in the process as white bodied people is going to be the bravest thing we ever do as is taking accountability and doing better as white folks that have been racialized and socialized in a white supremacy culture and challenging ourselves to continue to show up in vulnerability. Um, And again, Dr. Brené Brown, you know, defines vulnerability as the willingness to show up and be seen no matter the guarantee of the outcome. Mm -hmm. And this is our only path to love, to belonging and joy. Mm -hmm. And, to creating the kinds of conditions that all medical care providers, whether you're on the front line, you're a doctor, a nurse, a CSA, uh, an administrator, a technician, um, we have to remember that um, all of us are loved and all of us must be accountable and each of us is unique and all of us are connected. So start with um, yourself and loving yourself up and start with challenging yourself. When you have those moments, as you've already said, of awareness, hmm, why did I react that way? Why did I say that? What what, what got me to that kind of conclusion? And think about, hold that the way we've be, been conditioned in our white bodies to think and to be disembodied, sometimes we need to unlearn some of those ways of being. So, being and doing is another really good polarity. Oh, yeah. here, isn't yes, it, it is. <laughs> start Critical. with being with yourself. Yeah. Start with loving yourself, and start with a small practice. A small, intentional, daily practice of noticing, Mm -hmm. noticing why and how you're being and doing in the world, and do it with self-compassion. That's great advice. Great advice. Yes. Thank you. Thank you
1: so much for that, Beth. Wow. (laughs) Wow.
2: I love having this conversation oh, uh, with, so having with you. We're loving it too. It, I can't it, it, wait. We're gonna have another one. <laughs> I, I, I you know, oh well, thank you. I would I would love to. You know, I don't I, I don't know about the two of you, but I, I often find myself, you know, throughout my life, uh teaching where I most need to yeah. learn. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah, all and the I, time. I, I I think I wrote this chapter as much for myself yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as I did for everyone else. Yeah. So it's leaning into loving myself and supporting and challenging myself so that I'm better able to support and challenge you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well said. Well said. Well, Beth, it's time for the missing questions.
2: Are you ready? Are you ready? Ready.
1: Ready. All right. We got three questions for you. Okay. Here's the first one.
2: uh, Should I do a drum roll? Yeah, do a drum roll. I'm just realizing
1: I had a typo. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that's why i'm like that doesn't make sense love that okay. inner per, you know recovering perfectionist oh, yeah. just- <laughs> let it go uh,
1: let it well, i just didn't want to say i'm like that doesn't make sense okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do it do it a different way <laughs> where are you where are you most looking forward to what are you most looking forward to in the next month that's what it's supposed to say
2: mine says What am I looking forward to in the next month? Mm -hmm. Well, I have to say (laughs) that um, my partner and I both turned 60 this year, and we are taking an extraordinary trip to Hawaii to celebrate. And so um, we leave at the end of next week, and we'll be traveling with my brother and his my sister in law, his partner, and I'm pretty excited about that. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, that's gonna be a great time. And you're gonna be and- gone like a month,
0: right?
2: Well, not quite that much time. And we get a good long visit. Oh, so great. I'm very grateful and, and very excited. About uh, well,
1: happy birthday. Yeah. We're so, excited for you. <laughs> it's we, one we, of our we, favorite places. Yeah. One of our favorite places. Oh, yeah. And, and
2: well after the show I'll take I'll get some notes from the two. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. Yes. We love Hawaii. We love oh, Hawaii yes. and we
1: love to celebrate. <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, that's a given. (laughs) That's a given, right? Uh, Me
1: too. Okay, here's the second question What is a word or short phrase that summarizes you?
2: Oh my gosh. Self love is a journey and it takes time.
1: Okay. Oh, that's a great one. I love
0: that. (laughs) All right, the last wrap up question. Now, this one. You know, we've been talking about these polarities the whole time. And you know, <laughs> what we know about polarities is oftentimes we have a preference poll, right?
1: That's right. Yep.
0: Even though we can get the best of both, we understand that there's benefits to both. them. Sometimes we lean a little further in one direction or the other. So for you, what is it? Humility or confidence?
2: Hmm. You know, in... In the last two years, it has switched for me and it has definitely moved to humility. Mm. Where it had been, my go-to was confidence. And I think the impacts of COVID and the murder of George Floyd and reassessing for myself the work that I needed to do to be an even better partner uh, an an even better ally, an even better uh, woman, and daughter, and auntie, and white person. Um, I now fully claim humility. Mm. Oh, that's love. That's- and growing into my confidence through working on the humility that comes to me for really leaning into loving myself, and then loving others.
0: Oh, well said. Wow. Awesome. Well, and you did I, that I, really well. You
1: did. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and obviously the first question was a setup because we knew where you were going. <laughs> we yeah. just went, we're so happy for you. <laughs> we are so, we're so happy,
0: happy and well. excited for you. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you oh, both. Yeah.
1: Thank
2: you. Well, it's, it's,
1: you know, listeners, we didn't know this woman Four weeks ago, <laughs> no, we did So now we've met her. Uh, we've had a conversation with her. She's couple of them now. A couple of them now, yeah. And now, uh, we really yeah. feel blessed, Beth, to have you on our podcast. Yeah. And uh, you know, it it impacts everybody. And then I think the last question that we talked about too is just knowing that our healthcare system is really grappling with health equity. It's just there's pearls and wisdom of what you shared for all of us um, as well. So we just really want to thank you for saying yes to our invitation. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a.
2: And thank you for the invitation and the opportunity. I really appreciate it. We feel just honored to be
0: able to share you with our listeners and all your wisdom. So um, it's been a wonderful interview and for our listeners, we want to thank you for listening in to our Awesome and incredibly inspiring conversation with Beth today. And um, we will look forward to having you listen in again on our next episode. So in the meantime, take care, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, now a top-rated podcast for healthcare leaders share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcasts and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.